0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Just to say, uh, my name is Femi, and one of the things we are trying to do in this church is to encourage chivalry. and so as ladies are coming down, you can see men holding their hands, you know. It's nice to bring back gentlemen into the church. How about that? Let's start, let's, let's start a hashtag on that one. Uh, all the ladies that are clapping. I I hope you have found us, though. because the guys are looking at you. All right, morning, morning everyone. Uh, nice to see us all, and uh, special welcome for those who is your first time or maybe you've not been with us in, uh, in a long time. My name is Femi, and you're welcome to City Church. And I want to welcome you as we are in the middle of a series that we've been treating where we are looking at who we are as a church. What does this church stand for? And So maybe you've been coming for a while and we've never actually laid that out. That's what this series is about, or maybe you have come for the first time and you want to now know is this a church I'd like to commit to? This series is for you. And if you've been here from the very beginning and you've forgotten about everything, that is what this series is all about. Amen. Now, by April this year, April this year, to be precise, April 16th this year, um, I'll be 12 years married. 12 years. Those that didn't clap well, don't worry, your own time is coming, I won't clap for you. (laughs) But you know, uh, my wonderful wife, Tosin, we've married for 12 years, and the truth is that by this stage now, we agree on virtually everything. We just agree, you know marriage is about unity. At this point now, we are united. Okay, let me say, close to being united on everything. Or more accurately put, we are united in agreeing that she's right on everything. (laughs) But it's still unity, isn't it? Right? Some people wonder when they see us in public and maybe a discussion comes up and there's obvious disagreement. There's obvious disagreement. We don't have, uh, we don't stand on the same um, uh, position on it and we go back and forth. The next thing, what she does is that she whispers something in my ear for three seconds. And then people are perplexed because immediately, joyfully, and willingly, I agree that position is correct. She is correct. And people are wondering, what is it that she whispered in your ear? Don't worry. At the last day, it shall be revealed. But gentlemen here, young men, I am telling you, if you want to have a long, sustained, happy marriage, always just agree that she is correct. Amen? Now, some people are looking and say, what kind of weak pastor is this? The guys are like, Pastor is a woman rapper. I am blessed, a blessed woman rapper. I will continue it. Listen, I'm giving you wisdom here. And as the Bible says, let he who has an ear hear what PF says to the church. No, but Tosin is amazing. She really is. And one of the best things is that she supports a lot of my crazy dreams, a lot of my crazy ideas. But there was one faithful day In 2017, you know, the church had started and we're trying to get things moving and I laid out some visions and talked about the values of the church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. And then one time, one day in 2017, she said, see, I'm fully on board with love Jesus, no problem. She said, as hard as it can be to love people, I'm on board with that. He said, but this love Lagos, eh? He said, let me even quote the name of another state for you. Or your, you are on your own. I said, wow. My wife doesn't support our values. And I know that there are some people here. When they say love Jesus, love people, you always keep silent on love Lagos. You probably want to go and hug my wife now. <laughs> for the men here, just try it. As <laughs> you are going there, that Rikasani song, I can't quote it. It will be playing in your head. I can. Uh, for those who know. But you see, <laughs> it will come. To, you go, go and just type Rikasani and just put thunder, and then you, it will, it will, it will, it will be clear. But you see, my wife, the probably I was thinking that maybe. This was a big thing. She was neither born nor raised in Lagos. I don't know how many of us, anybody here that was not born or raised in Lagos, hands up, you are neither born nor raised in Lagos. Yeah, so it was a tough sell for her. It probably is going to be a tough sell for you. But the truth be told that loving Lagos will probably be a tough sell for those of us who are in Lagos because Lagos is hard, isn't it? And yet, nonetheless, I would say as a church, we are more even now than before, committed to this vision of seeing a renewed Lagos, of catalyzing a gospel-centered movement that renews the city of Lagos. Why? Why? Because I do believe that it is a God-inspired vision. And it's a God-inspired vision not because of the emphasis on Lagos, but because of the emphasis on love. Love Lagos. You see, love, God is love. And love, by the nature of what love is, love produces. It produces something that was not there, that, something that, it produces something that at one point wasn't there, and it brings it to birth. So a man and woman come together in ideal circumstances, there was not a child that was there, but now the love of the man and woman produced a child. And if you take it all the way back, the love between Father and Son and Holy Spirit produced a world and a universe that was not there before. Love always what? Produces. But one of the other things about love as it produces is that when it meets, when it meets a mess, when it meets brokenness, love repairs and love what? Restores. It repairs and it restores. And so when we talk about loving Lagos, we are not talking about embracing Lagos in a way that denies the realities of the difficulty and the suffering and the sin in Lagos. No, we are talking about a gospel love. We are talking about bringing a love to a city that does not deserve it, but yet we put our love in that city. Why? Because Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrated his love towards us in this Say it with me. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. And so when we talk about Lagos, love Lagos, we're talking about a gospel love. The gospel love that came to us, that met us in our mess, and then restored us and starts to transform us. We are talking about the love that transforms the city. It embraces the good parts of the city, but it is real about the brokenness in the city. And we say this love, that Jesus Christ gave us can transform. And we know that because in the text that we just read, that Emmanuel read to us, it said in verse 8, there was much joy in that city. What we'll find out in the text is that there was misery in the city before joy came. And how did the joy come? There were people who were filled with the love of Jesus that entered into that city and they started to talk about it and that brought about joy in the city. Has it ever occurred to you, has it ever crossed your imagination that the transformation that this city requires, the deep transformation that this city requires, is not in the hand of the federal, the state, or the local government? Has it ever occurred to you that the deep transformation that this city requires, even though we can can be helped by businesses and non-for-profit, it has not been given to them? You know who it has been given to? The Church of the Living God. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe, whether by birth, whether by immigration, or whether by circumstance, that you were brought into this city for such a time as this, so that through you, God can catalyze a gospel center movement that renews this place? Has it occurred to you? Well, I hope as we look, as these people came into the city of Samaria by supposed happenstance and brought joy into that city, maybe it will occur to us that we are not just in this city to build our businesses, to further our careers, but God has brought us here to renew this city. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to look at that very quickly under this um, uh, topic. That's the topic, yes. City Church Loves Lagos. City Church Loves Lagos. And we're going to look at it under three. uh... (laughs) Let me shock you. We're going to look at it on that one point. Huh? <laughs> so, wait, let me get this straight. You people have just accused me of lying. Huh? You say yes. Can somebody play Rikasani behind there? <laughs> All right, okay, okay, okay. okay. Three under three headings. <laughs> the word yes, the word of love, the signs of love and the result of love. The words the word of love, the signs of love and the result of love. Let's pray. Father, right now, I lift my, my mouth to you. I lift the hearts of everyone. Uh, everyone gathered here. I lift our hearts to you. Come and take over right now. Lord Jesus. Come and prove that you are seated on the throne. Holy Spirit, come and prove that you are working in the earth today and you are working in the church of the living God to bring about transformation, to bring about salvation, to bring about renewal. Arrest, O God, everything concerning us today and do wonderful things through the name of your your Son and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to which we all say. Amen. 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 You see, the culture of an area, first point, word of love, the culture of an area is transformed usually by the presence of specific people, maybe specific significant individuals, specific institutions, ideas, or industries. Take, for instance, this whole concept. Oh, it's not a concept, it's actually a group of people called Tech Bros. Who knows what Tech Bros are? Tech Bros. And take our own region, where they are mostly concentrated in this city of Lagos. You know where that is? Yaba. I think we have some Tech Bros around here. Uh, Tech Bros and Tech Babes. Tech Hub. uh, Of course, you are are an uncle, but uh, uh, they are bros. Now, these tech bros, you would know them. They are people who have been driven by this idea of techpreneurship or technology meets entrepreneurship. And whilst we may just look and just say, well, you know, technology is a great thing, they are doing wonderful things... They will bring solutions to this city and all of that. Yes, there's all the benefits of technology and entrepreneurship. But one of the things that people don't really see and don't quickly take hold of is that the tech bros were produced by the movement of technology and entrepreneurship. In other words, that it's not just brought about technological revolution, it's really brought about a cultural revolution. What do I mean? You will know a tech bro when you see them. There are certain things they can be identified with. For instance, a tech bro, while most of us will use... uh, uh, Let's think about the gadgets. While most of you use, you know, uh, uh, your computers. what kind of computers do you use? It's... uh, 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 Which other one? A Lenovo, and all of that. A tech bro will not be caught dead with any of those things. Their computers are strictly what? Apple, MacBooks. And then you see it. How, how do they look? They will now have loads of stickers on it. <laughs> tech bro. Tech bro. But how about their appearance? Their appearance, how do they look? They will usually, the next picture, usually... <laughs> You see, they can't be caught dead wearing a shirt with, with polo because it just seems like you're too serious. And you know, I don't have time, I just need to be coding, I just need a t-shirt, and just explain how we're going to change the world. And then when they're moving around, they have a backpack, some of them have dreads, they no longer wear earpods because earpods are for people that want to feel like they are cool with tech key stuff. No, they wear things with wired, so I'm here. They are here, the, what do you call those things again? Huh? Um earphones, earpieces, they wear those. Some of them wear turtlenecks, (laughs) with their laptop bags and everything. Skinny jeans, sometimes a bit too skinny. (laughs) What about the accommodation? Always shared in Yaba because (laughs) this, because after you spent 800K on a MacBook, (laughs) there's no money to now accommodate on your own. What about the food that they eat, always ready made? They spend all their money at Booker Hut, the place, and all of those things. Life. Eh? Life. Living life. Hidden life. Hidden life. Hidden life. Hidden life. Amen, Amen. <laughs> Still, I was trying to understand, I'm trying to, but it's not the way it's explained well. Finally, though, to push this cultural revolution, it touches all aspects of their life, including how to take bro's dates. You know, you and I, we see a girl in church. Hey, what's up? You know, can I be part of your spiritual journey? You know, <laughs> what's going on? You know, like the Lord is good. Uh, you know, you're completing the scriptures for them. For some of you that are not very churchy, you know, you go for an occasion. You know, you, 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 you see the girl down there. She sees you. Eye catches eye. You know, you walk past. You sleep. You know, that's, that's how we do it. But we tech bros. How do they do it? First one. First of all, you create a profile on an app. It's called bamboo. Right? And then, once you put the profile up, the lady then has to decide, should she swipe left or should she swipe right? 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 The, 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 she's looking with her friend. Swipe left. Or sw- she always calls her friend. that is also another tech bro to check, if you, if you understand. That's the one that doesn't have game. He likes her, but he's helping her find other boyfriends. But let's leave that side. <laughs> And so they swipe right. And if she likes him, then everything comes to full circle. It's a match. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Take (laughs) proofs. Now what I'm trying to point out here is a very serious point. Most ideas, if they take root they not only bring about the immediate kind of transformation that you think about when they are solidified, they bring about a cultural transformation. A cultural uh, 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 yeah, transformation. Some of us have seen that in Christian movements. You see, with Christian movements, many times, it is a specific teaching or a specific experience that one man or one woman had. It defines that particular a, 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 a movement. And so some people, you know, for instance, if you take uh, like the, the Celestial Church of Christ, there was a man in, in uh, Benar Republic or Shofar that had a vision in a forest. And he then had certain revelations. So the reason why they actually were barefooted is because he had a revelation that, you know, from the book of, uh, I was going to say the book of Moses, from Exodus, right, that the ground where they stand is holy ground. An experience and certain revelations then led to a movement that brought about cultural changes. You understand what I mean? If you have been part of a church that was moved by a holiness experience, all of you know how they look, right? The people dress in a certain way, the people talk in a certain way, the people smell in a certain way. Everything, I'm not talking about the cultural revolution. It it changes everything. Now, wow. <laughs> oh yeah, forgive me. <laughs> edit, edit out that last part. Now, back to the thing. So the question for us is this. If we are also looking for a Christian, a Christian tri- um, uh, renewal that brings about the transformation of a city, that brings about cultural transformation, what should be at the center of it? Should it be a person? Should it be a specific revelation? What should be at the center of it? Well, I ask the question: What was at the center of what was going on in the city of Samaria? Look at verse four. Those who had been scattered preached what? The word. Yes, and him. They, those who had been scattered preached. preach what? They preached what? Verse fourteen. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted what? The word of God. So what should be at the center? The word. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) the Bible. That's why we carry the Bible. No, not quite. Yes, it is rooted from the Bible. But don't forget that almost any kind of Christian movement that you see, they will find some kind of justification for what they are doing in the Bible. So it can't just be the Bible alone. Now, if you go to verse 25, it gives us not more than a clue of what it means. After they had further proclaimed, you can see the word there again, the word of the Lord, and testified about, thank you very much, Deacon, about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem doing what? So, the word of the Lord that they proclaimed is the same thing as what? the gospel of Jesus Christ. They testify to Jesus. So it's not just the word, like the entire Bible, the word of God, but it is what the word of God is particularly pointing to. The central message of the Bible is the gospel. Are we together? And if you can identify that way, then you see it littered all over in Chapter eight. I already pointed in verse four and verse fourteen. In verse twenty-five, we just saw it. In verse thirty-five, then Philip began that. Uh, Philip began with the, that very passage of scripture and told him what the good news about Jesus. Verse forty. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and, and traveled about preaching what. You can't miss it. And I'm not going to, we've already done two messages on the gospel, but I hope you can see the centrality of whatever the movement must be. If it is going to be how we see it in the Bible, how we transform this city, it has to be a gospel centered movement. Amen. And so, as a church, we say we want to be a gospel centered church because we want to see a gospel centered movement. Because only a gospel centered movement can bring about a gospel centered renewal in this city. Is this clear? All right, if the gospel must be centered, how does the gospel then go to the city? You know what the gospel is, but how does it go to the city? Verse 5 and verse 12 tell us. Philip went down to, it's not really a city in Samaria, but rather the city, uh, the, uh, the city of Samaria, and proclaimed, he proclaimed the message of the Messiah there. Or verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he would proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. So very simple, the word enters the city through proclamation of it. To which some people are saying, "Thank you for showing us the scriptures and thank you Pastor Femi for people like you because it is people like you Emmanuel told me, you guys are meant to be at the forefront, we will just take back seats. Because I am not in ministry. You guys are in ministry. To which I want to say, you are wrong. Because in verse 1 and verse 4, notice what it says. In verse 1 towards the end it says, all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So that in verse 4, it then, when it then tells us that those who had been scattered preach the word who are those that were scattered all except all except the apostles so that tells me that all the people that were not in ministry were actually doing what they were preaching the word then the president says okay oh I see it it is those who are not in ministry but have the gift of preaching like Toki it's not me It's, it's for lay preachers lay preachers, to which I want to say you are wrong again, because sometimes what happens is when we read the Bible, we import 21st century interpretation to what the words we see, so when you see the word preach or proclaim, immediately in our minds, we are thinking of somebody standing on a stage, and then there's an audience, but actually, it was a catch-all, word, it was a catch-all uh, uh, term for many different things. In verse, in verse thirty-five, it tells us a little bit more about what that word is really. In verse thirty-five, said then Philip began that very passage, with that very passage of scripture. And what did he say? He did, he told. Told, in other places he said Jesus spoke about the gospel of the kingdom. So whether it is proclaiming from a stage, whether it is in telling people or speaking to people, you are not exempt from the people who are preaching the word. And then you say, okay, okay, finally, finally now. This is actually how I can tell you why I'm not the one here. That was 2,000 plus years ago. Honestly, they didn't have entrepreneurs like me. They didn't have consultants like me. Have you seen my work schedule? Or they didn't have the kind of work environment, or the friends that I have. They don't really like hearing these things. It will be so awkward. You see, the 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 the, um, the environment that I am called to, the environment that I, I participate in most of the time, it's too hostile, or it's too difficult for me to be able to start talking about the gospel. I'm sure God understands. Question. Why were they scattered? Go to verse 1 again. Why were they scattered? Verse 1. On that great day, a what? Persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Jerusalem and Judea. Let me tell you a secret. Persecution is not a particularly easy circumstance. Whatever difficulty you think you have, whether you are a mogul with 10,000 employees, or some people say that that's actually more, is easier than if you are a small business owner with five employees, whether you are in the throes of suffering, these people it says in the midst of persecution as they were running away what happened they were telling the gospel they were yeah don't shut don't shut the Lord Jesus has been risen there is no way you can remove yourself or the application of this passage to you it says that all of them even in the midst of difficulty they did what they preached the gospel. And I wonder, and I was asking myself this question, no, why, why don't I? Why don't I always feel like? I don't know whether you're asking yourself that question. And I think I found out the problem. It is a value problem that is expressed as an identity problem or said another way it is an identity problem that is rooted in a value problem i honestly this thing haunted me because i'm like these guys in the midst of persecution were actually still telling the gospel and i love the way he put it he says they were they preached the word wherever they went say that with me Wherever they went. Let's say one more time. Wherever they went. And I'm like, why is it that I am not always ready to be able to preach the gospel wherever I want to go? It is a value problem expressed as an identity problem. In other words, you identify with what you value most. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yes, if it was convenient, sometimes we will express. But even in the midst of difficulty is where you know what you value most because that is what you identify with the most. As these people were running away, wherever they went, they did what was natural to them. They could not but speak about the Lord Jesus for whom they were being persecuted. What is your value in? And I wonder, as they were running away, and as they were going through the midst of, I don't know, maybe desert or arid land, and they were looking at the next sniper or what have you, as they were moving, as they were entering into Samaria, and they were giving a cup of water, it's like, can I tell you about the one who saved me? Can I tell you about why I'm running away? They told the gospel wherever they went. And I can just imagine how their feet were looking. Maybe some of them left their sandals. Maybe their feet were scaled and dry. Maybe their feet were muddy because they were running away. But can I tell you something about their feet? It was beautiful. Because the word tells us how beautiful are the feet of them that preach what? The good news. There is something about having the value of the good news inside us that makes us tell it wherever we go. May God beautify someone's feet today. Because this thing, I'm really thinking about this thing, is really about the feet. There's something about our feet. And don't forget, whenever we're preaching the gospel, it's about warfare, isn't it? It's really about warfare. You're taking the uh, battle to the enemy's gate because you are depopulating people from the kingdom of darkness if they are receiving the gospel. And so Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God. But I love what he says in verse 15. In verse 15, he says, it is about the feet that are running away. And what does he tell us about it? He said that we should have our feet, What? prepared with readiness to always preach the gospel. If you are putting on your armor in this dark world, you would always be ready to prepare your feet. May the Lord prepare our feet in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord beautify our feet so that we can be like these people who valued the gospel so much that at some point, wherever they went, they were always telling the gospel. It's about what you value most. You will identify with the most. You know Moses, not Samo. Moses was um, a guy who, at the time he was born, the king, um, Pharaoh, he was born in Egypt, and Pharaoh at that time wanted to kill all the newborns of the Israelites, the Hebrews. So Moses was hid, and eventually he was put on the Nile River, Pharaoh's daughter saw him, And then she brought him up as his own, as her own. Moses was brought up in the palace of Pharaoh. As far as Moses understood himself, he was an Egyptian. But he wasn't just any Egyptian. He was an Egyptian of noble birth. He was schooled in everything about Egypt. He learned all their literature. He learned about their history. He learned about their engineers. He learned everything. He was schooled as an Egyptian. And yet, there was something about him that told him, deep inside, though I am here, I really belong here. There was something about his identity that said, I totally don't fit in to this place. Some of us, you know, I've said this a number of times that whilst I was in the university, no matter what, and this, I I really want to speak to parents here, Sometimes the efforts that you think you are putting with your children, you think is wasted because you are not seeing, you know, you're not seeing the fruit. The more you are telling them about the gospel, the more you are telling them about Jesus, the more they are going away from Jesus, it seems. And many times I was in university and I was living my life in a way that did not reflect somebody who was a Christian. It just wasn't. And I often say this in the midst of all the people and everyone that felt comfortable, no matter what I was doing, something always told me, you don't belong here. Does anybody have a witness there? That you don't, but, but you are different. And for Moses, at the age of 40, we see it in Hebrews 11, chapter 20, verse 24 to 26, at the age of 40, at some point, Moses, the value of what was... Greater than anything, being part of the Lord's people, it started to tug at him. And so by faith, Moses knew when he had grown up, but Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of what? Pharaoh's daughter. Why? He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as what? A value than the treasures of Egypt, how? And I want to tell you how, therefore, to be able to put this identity and this value inside us a little bit more. It says why, because he was looking ahead for his reward. For his reward. We have a greater reward, friends. Sometimes the awkwardness that we feel, the reason why we are unable to tell people about what we believe is because we feel that the consequence of telling them at that point is of greater value or the consequence means worse to us than whatever God has given me and so we deny. What is this value? Before I talk about that, I remember a testimony of someone who talked about the gospel wherever he went. It's told by a pastor called Tim Keller. At one point, at the end of his service, he was talking to new people that had come and there was one lady that had come. Said so it was her first, time. I said, well, why did you come? I said, ah, do you have time? I said, yeah, tell me. She said, um. So I work in this firm, and I have an immediate line manager. And so I did something, um, I, I was working on something, and by, I made a horrendous mistake, a horrendous mistake. I was, I didn't know what to do, because I could, I could have lost my job. And so my line manager saw it, we were meant to present to his own boss, and this was a huge thing. And so when he saw it, he's like, okay. So he doesn't say anything. They go in for the, um, uh, to the meeting with the people there, and by the time they're talking about it, he now brings up the mistake, and he then says he was the one that committed the mistake. Now because he had built off enough social capital with the firm, he had done so many good things, and it was a higher place, they were a bit ticked off, but they eventually let it go. So when they came out, the lady said, "Why did you do that?" And I said, "No, you, we're working very hard. It's okay. Just uh, don't do it again." She said, "No, but as in it's not because I've been working hard. Why? Why would you let it go?" I said, "That really is nothing. It's nothing." And I said, "No, you have to tell me why is it that you did this thing for me?" He said, "Well, if you insist." said I'm a Christian and I believe in a savior who actually took the fall for me instead of me perishing for my own sin and I can only live the way the savior wants uh, the savior I can only live in the way the savior has also done for me and the woman looked at him and looked at him she's not a Christian she said where do you go to church This was somebody who was telling the gospel everywhere he went and he was willing to take a hit on his resume, on his performance in the company. Why? Because he valued, he decided that this grace with Christ was of much more value than just being promoted. He took the fall for somebody else. Why? Because someone else had taken the fall for him. Are we together? And so Moses was looking for a greater Reward. He was looking for a greater reward. Now, we know that our own reward in the gospel, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have yet entered into the heart of man. We know we have an eternal reward in the gospel. That is why we do what we do. But can I put just before you a temporary reward? Just put the eternal reward. Nothing can compare to it aside. But can I put before you a temporary reward? Why is it that we should tell this gospel as we are people in Lagos, Everywhere, maybe people beyond Lagos, actually. Everywhere we go, why should we do that? I'll tell you why. Because I want you to be part of something bigger, something worth larger than you. I've had the privilege of meeting a lot of wealthy people, a lot of wealthy people, really wealthy. I'm not talking about small wealthy, really wealthy people. I said, what's small wealthy? Don't let me call names. (laughs) But really wealthy people, and let me tell you one thing about very wealthy people, I found, just discussing. They want to be part of something larger than themselves. Hardly do they ever, hardly does a wealthy, most of the wealthy people I know, ever send me a text saying, look at this this building that I've just bought. Or look at this new gadget that I've just bought. You know what they do? They will tell me about the hundreds of people that through this, their foundation that they were doing, that this foundation has caused these hundreds of people to go to school. Are you following me? They will talk about their philanthropic work. They will talk about the the work that their organization is doing socially in this other part of the country. They hardly ever talk about the things they accumulate to them. You know why? They have found out a secret that a lot of us haven't found out. Material things don't satisfy. They don't. Once you get, listen, once you get that card that you have been dreaming of, once you get that card, tops, two weeks, you are thinking about a car that is better than that one. Material things don't satisfy. So they are looking to be part of something bigger, something that satisfies them beyond the material. I've also had the privilege of speaking to people who are of the lower class as well, economically. Let me tell you about a lot of, some of them, particularly laborers. Do you know when I see laborers that have been part of, that maybe they, 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 they were part of laborers that built a significant building, let's say the Leki, Leki, to Lekki Leki, Ikoi Leki, uh, Link Bridge, all right, that we all put on our pictures and everything, don't worry, it's not bad. We too, we have it on our website. Uh, we have used that. Do you know if you meet a laborer that worked on it, here's what I can guarantee you that laborer will not say. He will not say Ah, when I was part of this uh, building, they paid me twenty thousand naira. I earned twenty thousand. Do you know what he says? He says, "I built that place. I was part of the ones." He tells his child as they are passing. He says. Your dad was part of the people that built that. He was looking at something that was what? Larger than him. Something that outlived. The money that he got has already been spent. But the monument that stands there testifies to the fact that I was part of this. Are you following me? Listen guys. If we stick to this gospel centered renewal vision. One day. 30 years from now, you can see that I was part of the people committed to this vision because I told the gospel wherever I went. You can see, when I look, about, look at how Lagos was 30 years ago, but now there are gospel center churches planted everywhere. I gave, I prayed, I told people. Here are the number of people that I brought to Christ, and the number of people they brought to Christ, I was part of it. And you say, "Femi, why? That would be bragging, no. Bragging is to say that it was of your own power. But but what you are saying here is a healthy boast. Listen, there was a guy in Luke 12, 12, uh, 2, 25 and 38. There was a guy called Simeon. It says that Simeon was looking for the consolation of Israel. There was another woman who was called Anna. They said she was looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Because they had been waiting, because they had been praying, their names are recorded in scripture. Not to boast, but to say, these ones were participants in bringing forth the Messiah. And I'm saying that if Simeon was looking for the consolation of Israel, and Anna was looking for the redemption of Jerusalem, who is looking for the renewal of Lagos? Let it be said that in the annals in heaven, 50 years from now, they will be able to say Hadiza participated in the renewal of Lagos. Let it be said that for records that have been written for generations to come, that one day they will say, Olumide was a participant in the renewal of Lagos. It is not boasting, my friends. Let us identify with who we value the most. For Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto what? identify with the power of God, not with the things that bring powerlessness. The gospel can be said in another way. This, I am not ashamed of the Jesus who was not ashamed of me on the cross. And if we preach that message over and over again, if our hearts... Value it. We will tell the gospel wherever it goes. And wherever we go, if we keep telling the gospel, if more of you tell the gospel and those people that are converted tell the gospel and tell the gospel and tell the gospel, we'll have a gospel-centered movement. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it. If Jesus was not ashamed of you at the cross, then don't be ashamed of him now that he's your Lord and Savior. Let us tell the gospel wherever we go. Amen? Amen. Now, the second thing, the signs of love. Here's a mistake sometimes some people make. That we say that the gospel is the central thing of the movement is not to say the gospel is the only important thing about the movement. Should I say that again? That the gospel is the central thing about the movement Does't mean the gospel is the only important thing of the movement are we following? In verse six and seven, look at what he says. He said, "When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who are paralyzed were paralyzed or lame were healed so there was great joy in that city did you notice verse six when the crowds heard philip they heard him first but they also what saw the signs they heard him but when they even paid more close attention to him is because they did what they saw the signs turn to someone and say we need signs and wonders are you getting? The gospel is the central thing. But if I can be close to being blasphemous, but I think the word of God, I stand on that. It's not enough. The gospel is the central thing. But it is not enough. He says when they heard and they saw then joy came into the city. You see, signs and wonders, what are they there for? They are to open the door for the word to come in. And then the word to do only what the word can do. You see, many people have barriers to the gospel, different kinds of barriers. We'll talk about that later. But when the kingdom's power is unleashed, what it does in verse 7, the king of power was unleashed, but in verse 12, what we see is that the proclamation of the kingdom then comes in. The power of the kingdom was demonstrated. Then the word of the kingdom was then proclaimed. Are we together? So if you look at Luke 9, verse, um, I think verse 11, this is what they said about Jesus. Exactly what Jesus did. Luke 9, 11, okay. It, uh, anyway, Luke 9, 11 says this. Is it there now? He he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and, so he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed, what, healing. Always these two coming, the word, but also the signs of the word. Now, for us to understand it better, let's talk about two ways that people use uh, the reaction to signs that are actually not the right thing. So either ignoring the science or centering the science. Ignoring the science. Now, can I state the obvious? I'll be Captain Obvious. Counterfeits are a big problem when it comes to science. There are lots of us who are agnostic when it comes to science, or we are even repulsed when it comes to we are hearing about miracles. Why? Because they are counterfeits. I want to put my hand up to say I agree with you. Some people, let's just be honest, they exaggerate these miracles. Say, oh, and have you noticed it's When you can never validate with anybody. Oh, in our crusade last week, <laughs> there were 2,000 of people that came. 1,500 were healed. The Lord is doing great things. Like, okay, if there are 1,500 people that were healed of diseases, CNN will be carrying it. How come I've not heard anything about it? They say, oh. Who wants to testify about Jesus? Who wants to testify about Jesus? Ah, hey, ah, Pastor, Pastor, when I came in here, when I came in here, my knee, my knee was paining me. So how is it now? It was paining me small, but now it's not paining me too small. It's it glory be to God. The Lord's power is on. I thank God, oh God. Maybe she took Panadol just before she came here now. Which one is? Some people say, when, when the man of God spoke to me, he spoke a prophetic word. Immediately, as he spoke that prophetic word, I got a call. I got a call. Somebody had put two million naira in my account. And you dig further and say, hey, but you sold them two million naira worth of goods yesterday. It was just the alert that was delayed. Exaggeration. And some of them are actually fixed. They are not, they are cooked up. They are lies, but they are cooked up. Like these things didn't happen. There was one, I can't remember, it was, um, I don't want to call the name, but it was in Southern Africa. This, they staged a a guy was in a coffin. In a coffin. Came and all of a sudden they stopped the whole service because, you know, Jesus too stopped a funeral service uh, for the woman at nine. And the man of God just spoke and the guy came up. Whereas there are some people that were looking say, ah, this is this guy that used to work with us now. What's he doing? He just quit his job. It turns out it was fake. They are fake miracles. And many of us are very good at spotting fake miracles. No problem. And can I say, because we talk about Simon here, he was a sorcerer, some of them are just plain old demonic. Plain old demonic. Things are happening. It's not like things are actually happening, it's just not by the power of God. I remember one Ghanaian uh, 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 um, priest on time. He, I think they had offended him. He just started calling all the pastors. <laughs> he went on YouTube, started calling all the pastors that have come to meet him. Some of these things are demonic. Are we together? But let me tell you something. If you want, and some of you have heard this, if you want to train, I they to train people to spot fake banknotes. Do you know how they train people to spot fake banknotes. They give them counterfeit bank- banknotes. Uh, sorry, they give them the real banknotes so that they can spot They train in learning the real one so that well, they can spot the fake ones. Are we together? In other words, the existence of counterfeit only points to the existence of the real. If there are fake miracles... If they are fake signs and wonders, guess what? The only reason why they exist is because God's power still does signs and wonders. Are we together? Somebody else will say something like this. In my personal experience, I have never experienced one. I don't want you to believe that you've experienced one or you've seen one if you've not. But your personal experience can't determine whether millions of people are lying. It will be like some people saying Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, despite the fact that at one point, 500 people saw him. So if you come to a particular place, a whole city, a whole town, and they say, we all knew that guy was blind. We all knew that guy was blind. say, all these people are not educated. Give me more proof. And somebody will say, we don't need miracles. Says who? All we just need is the word of God. Says who? The word of God doesn't say that. You are trying to defend the word of God against the word of God. No, we cannot ignore miracles. We cannot ignore signs and wonders. They are needed for the movement. Are we together? But then there is the other one. If some people ignore signs, some people center on signs. Signs, by definition, are meant to point beyond themselves. Sign is like a signpost. You don't go to a a signpost that says, Hakeem Dixon and you think that place gongo is hakim dixon is it the signpost points you to where what hakim dixon is it is possible to be more fascinated about signs than who the signs are pointing to it, this 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 one is it, maybe this is our biggest problem in lagos and you see simon's life shows us exactly what this is because this distraction is deadly simon Though he was doing his own resources, see what it says about him. He boasted that he was, he first amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention. They gave him their attention. Remember, if you go to verse 6, when Philip performed the signs, it says that the people gave him their attention. But Philip, when he did that, he pointed to Jesus. He was preaching the word about the Messiah. What happened was that Simon was demonstrating his own miracles, and who was he pointing to? Simon himself. He boasted that he was the great power of God. So there was the gospel of Simon, and then there was the gospel of Jesus. Are you together? In Christianity ourselves, part of the problem many times is this, God has given you certain kinds of gifts, and you become so fascinated with the gift, you, 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 be, you become so fascinated with the applause that you forget that you are meant to, the sign was meant to point to somebody else. So, so, if that is for the person with the gift, how about the people that are following the gift? He says that all the people followed after Simon. Then when Simon, when they preached the gospel, Simon himself, he says in verse 13, Simon started Philip, following Philip everywhere he went. He was not following Philip because he was, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. Uh-uh. He said he saw a greater power. So that when the apostles, they, uh, John and Peter came in verse eighteen and nineteen, and they now laid hands on people and they saw that power came, he now said therefore. In fact, he asked them. He said, "I will pay you. Give me the same power that you have." And so sometimes we have movements of people just following one man or following one woman because of what? Because of signs. And I want to say very clearly, some of these people actually started with these signs in the Lord. It was God that gave them the power. You say, but why did God give them power when he knew they, they, will, uh, they will stray away from you? Do I look like God? <laughs> Ask him when you see him. But people do. You have deliverance ministries. They genuinely deliver people from the demonic and then they deliver them unto themselves. You have people who are specially anointed in business. They mentor people. They mentor people in their businesses and everything, but always fail to tell them that there was one who gave me the power to make wealth, and he has secured an eternal wealth for me. We center on the signs and don't point people to Jesus. For some people, we say, you know, if we're going to reach all these new non-Christians, you know, we need to speak their language. We need to have maybe an art community for them, the tech brothers have a tech community for them, so that we can connect. Let's connect because when we connect, we connect. We can then they end up connecting, and they don't connect them to Jesus. You have the gospel of connect. Because we center on the signs and forget that the signs are meant to point us to someone. Are you getting, are you following what I'm saying? If we continue down this road, we will end up having not a gospel centered movement that is accompanied by signs and wonders, we end up having a signs and wonders movement that is somewhat accompanied by the gospel. May God not allow us to have that. Amen. The signs and the gifts are meant to point to the one who gives it. It validates the gospel that is meant to be at the center. We are not looking for a sign-centered movement. Can I make that clear? So, how, why is it important? Now, I do want to say and you may have seen I started talking about this. I do want to say this: How then, and why is it that we need these signs? What do, how do they point us to Christ? Let me say this first of all. You have to think about signs and wonders more broadly. Most of the time, we think about signs and wonders through the lens of the miraculous. It is there. But think about signs and wonders as gifts that eventually point to the Messiah. Let me give you four examples and how they tie to Jesus. Four examples. The miraculous, the intellectual, the, um, the prophetic, and the social. The miraculous, the intellectual, the prophetic, and the social. Let me give you four examples in the Old Testament. Do you remember Naaman the Syrian? Naaman the Syrian, who went to meet Elisha, who was leprous. Eventually, because Elisha healed him, he wasn't he was a Syrian, so he served Syrian gods. But when the slave girl told him there is a prophet in Israel, he went there. Because Elisha, a prophet of God, healed him. What did he say? Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. He didn't say, Now I know that, Omar, Elisha, there is no prophet like you. He didn't say, Elisha, this wonderful prophet, he is a liquid metal. <laughs> We start giving names. He's God's own general. What is he looking at? He looks at the God. He experiences a conversion. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, some people must see the power in Jesus' name to heal before receiving the power in Jesus' name to save. That's how the miraculous helps. How about the intellectual? There was the queen of another country, probably around Ethiopia, called Sheba. She had heard about what? The wisdom of God in Solomon. But she had to come herself. She traveled all the way. And by the time she heard all the things Solomon said, 1 Kings 10 verse 9, she said... Praise be to Yahweh your God who has delighted in you. She was giving praise to a God she had not served. Why? Because he placed you on the throne Israel because of Yahweh's love for you, Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. She came to say, what kind of king is this that rules with this kind of wisdom? But Jesus says that the queen of Sheba came all the way to come and hear Solomon because she heard about the wisdom of Solomon, but a greater than Solomon is here. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, you can talk about wisdom, but Christ in his salvation has been made unto us wisdom. In other words, some people need to see the wisdom from Christ first before they're receiving the wisdom that is Christ. Let me tell you, there are some churches here in Lagos today. People don't go to that church because the pastor He he just does like this, and everybody falls. The pastor has never done any recorded miracle that they know. Why do they go to those churches? Because they they are equipped. You say, oh, he was sharing insights for me for my work. He was sharing insights for me for my relationship. Am I? Do you do you know what I'm talking about? Right, you are equipped. That is the wisdom that comes from the Bible. The mistake the church will make, I'm not calling anyone's, I'm just saying the mistake they will make is if, as they are dispensing that wisdom, you don't point people to the source of wisdom and the true wisdom. In this, if you do not fear the Lord and submit to the salvation that he's given, you are still a fool. No matter how much wisdom you have gotten. Are we together? They need to see the wisdom from Christ before they receive the wisdom that is Christ. That's a sign and wonder. Amen. How about the prophetic? Remember Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And that dream troubled him. But before that time, he has been spent, Nebuchadnezzar's budget on wise men. Astrologers. Like, if you looked at the normal budget, it was about, about 38% of the entire budget. They weren't doing roads. They were just spending money on them, sending their children to best schools. He was feeding them so that they could hear the spirits. So now he had a dream. He now says, ah, I need to know what this dream is about. So he calls all the wise men. He said, I had the dream. Tell me what it's about. He said, tell us the dream. He said, no, you tell me the dream first. <laughs> then I will know that your interpretation is right. He said, ah, ah, okay, this thing, nobody can do it. Eh." So when you are collecting my 38%, you don't know. I will kill all of you if you don't tell me. Nobody could do it. They said, except the gods. And then there was Daniel that was there. And Daniel, in prayer, received prophetically the dream itself and what? The interpretation of the dream. So that when he told Nebuchadnezzar, the king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal it. Is somebody seeing what I'm saying? I can say, you see, with Nebuchadnezzar, this is the point. They must see the prophetic word from Christ before receiving the prophetic word about Christ. All prophecy, Revelation 19, verse 10 says, The spirit of prophecy. It was, the testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. In other words, all prophecy in scripture, I don't care what prophecy you've seen, but all prophecy, the prophetic exists to point us to Jesus. Now, there is prophecy that I can predict a dream or what have you, but ultimately the prophetic gift is to point us to Jesus. Don't show people interpretation of dreams, word of, what you call word of knowledge, all of those things, and still point people to yourself. Point them to who? Jesus. That's why the signs exist. You can see the same thing with Ruth in the whole social dimension, somebody that was totally destitute and he was born as a kinsman redeemer that eventually takes her into his home and then, you know, changes her economic price forever. And through that lineage, the person of Jesus Christ came. In other words, some people must see the compassion. Of Christ before they receive the salvation of Christ. We need a movement that is gospel-centered, but what? Accompanied with signs and wonders. Are you hearing me? Well, that's why see City Church, to, in order to build this culture, we have seven emphases. A gospel-centered culture, we have seven emphases. And two of those emphases we try to use to say, this is what we would like to see, a, a minutia of what we would like to see in the movement, so one of that, one of those is mission. The other one is justice. Mission. That's why we knew the initiative exists, a place where we are training church planters because we want them to plant gospel-centered churches. That's why we equip people to be in the marketplace. Whether it is through our teaching, whether it's encouraging mentorship in people with people who work, whether in your gospel communities, I think we did gospel center life at work. All of these things we are trying to say the, with the gospel at the center. With the gospel at the center, God is sending us out a mission. Amen. Amen. City kids, that's why our children's place, we're not just teaching them, quote, unquote, morals. We want to teach them the morals that come from having the gospel at the center. Let me guarantee you, if you go to the children's class, you will hear about Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. But at the same time, on the justice arm, that's why our Jubilee Fund exists, to help people who are vulnerable, who have found a hard time, to show them the the compassion of Jesus, whether they're in our church or whether they're outside of our church. That's why we partner with organizations. We want to really help children. Some of them are youth empowerment organizations. The other ones are orphan cares. We are trying to show quote-unquote, with signs and wonders. But we are doing that. Why? Because the gospel is at the center. If you truly want to see this city transformed, we need a gospel center movement that is what? Accompanied with signs and wonders. Let me end with this. The result of love. Maybe you are here and you hear this thing. You say, you know what? I... I really want to be used by God. But what if nothing happens? Let's say with signs I wonder, you say, I want to. But what if I beg? You know what is. is? What if I just, ah, there's this sick person, I, I just be. And then nothing happens. What if I, I want to be used by God, but what if I just try? And somehow, no results produced. Can I quickly just tell you straight up? It is not possible. It is not possible that God will call you and God has not armed you to produce results. It's not what? Possible. I'm saying factually. It is not what? Possible. You can and you'll be used by God in the name of Jesus Christ. But I know why some of us are scared. Exactly what I just said. Let's take praying for somebody to get healed we are so scared of failure. We are scared of failure. So, so when we, we are faced with that situation, so how do I, okay, how do we do it? I need to hedge, and I, I need to save God's reputation. So you say, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for your word that is powerful to save, but it's also powerful to heal. I pray for the healing of my brother in the name of Jesus. But, this is, this is re- a reputation that we bought, God, in case, because you may not be feeling it today (laughs) in case you are not really let your will be done just just let your will be done because we know your will is. see if that was your your daughter there's no God let your will be this thing your will let your will be too safe do you understand so many times we are scared to show signs because we are scared of failure but can I put a scenario in front of you let's say you don't have that fear and so you pray for the last time you saw 50 people that were sick you pray for 50 people that were sick and god heals three of them that's a success rate of what six what percent and so you say god this is why i'm not doing this thing look at 94 percent of people who are not healed i don't have this thing before you start being scared, I'm not going to pray for anybody, But You know what you should do? Just go and talk to one of those three people and tell them how they feel. And let them ask them how they feel. By the time they tell you how, how they feel, if you say, well, was it God that healed you? Because I don't know because I prayed for 47 other people. The person will say, I don't know what you are talking about. All I know is that what? I was sick and the time you prayed for me, God what? healed me. The problem is this. We are too scared. Don't allow fear of failure to stop you. Allow the possibility of success to propel you. You see, at the end of the day, it is true. God's will will be done whether you ask for it or not. His will will be done. So pray in faith that God can heal, but at the same time, submit in faith that his will will be done. Are you following what I'm saying? But if you don't go out and do the prayer, it won't happen. The same thing with justice. The same thing with, maybe you are mentoring people in business. Don't give up because you are mentoring this particular person that just seemed to be a blockhead. Move from that person, may, the next person may not be a blockhead. Or God can actually unblock the head. You You understand? Don't allow the fear of failure to stop you. Allow the possibility of success to what to motivate you or to propel you. And I'm saying this, and I'm going to close with this, because the results can be outstanding. Astounding and outstanding. Let me tell you one of the biggest, probably top three biggest challenges that seems can never, you think will probably not be solved in Nigeria today. This thing is more complex than we, we know. But one of the biggest challenges is to have Fulani herdsmen and to have middle belt farmers be friends. You I mean? Sometimes you just shout, why isn't the president doing, why isn't the government, you think, you think the government that came in how many years ago, for something that has been happening for hundreds and hundreds of years, they've killed each other's families over and over again. There is the, the bitterness between them, the hatred is so intense. And you think just by um, somebody saying that I'm bringing hope, I'm going to solve it. I don't know how it can be solved. That, I'm not talking about just the, the, the enmity between them. I'm saying, can they be friends? Can they love each other? Who thinks they can? Who can solve that? Maybe, maybe you can put a treaty together. The problem between the Jews and the Samaritans was similar. It was just that it had been longer, going on for longer. The Jews hated the Samaritans. You You understand? They hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans what? Hated the Jews. They were neighbors. But because of historical events, they, the Samaritans were Jews that were mixed and they felt that, you know, they looked down on them so they set up their own temple. They had, they had their own view of scriptures. This one had their own view of scriptures. They had their view of salvation. This one. But they hated each other. You could see a Jew almost praying. God... Thank you for not making me a Samaritan. It was deep. Every Samaritan that has been raised, they will tell you, here's arithmetic, here is English, and here's the manual on why we hate Jews. It could not be. They couldn't eat together. Listen, if you are coming from Galilee, which was a Jewish territory, mainly Jewish territory, if you wanted to go to Judea, if you wanted to go to Judea, You should pass Samaria direct. Most people will not go through Samaria. They will go around Samaria to go to Judea. Ajalas, John. Ajais, whatever. They hated each other. Because, like, if I enter the Samaritan region, I'll be stained. How can I? They hated each other. How can they come together? So, you can imagine the astonishment of the disciples and the apostles in Jerusalem, verse 14. When he says that, they heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. Ah. 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 Because if if Samaria has accepted the word of God, and they are saved in the way we are saying it, are you telling me now that me, a Jew, and a Samaritan, we are now part of the same people of God? Could God do something that astounding and outstanding? I can understand that he raises, that he can cure the eye of the blind. I can understand that he brought a lame to work. But this one, oh, he brings the Samaritans and the Jews together as one people of God. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't accept. Peter, that has spent time with Jesus. John, that aspect he didn't accept. You know why? He said, we have not seen it. And so God did something that he normally doesn't do. If somebody is saved, he gives them the Holy Spirit. God said, I'm not going to give them the Holy Spirit. I will wait for these people to come. And so by the time they came, they examined it and they said... Is it possible? The only way we can know truly that it's not just the people's talk, that God has accepted them in the same way that He's accepted us, is if we put our hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit, we will know that we are now in the same people of God. They did it, and guess what happened? Do you know what that tells me? It is possible, it is possible that Fulani headsman and middle-belt farmers can be brought together in unity. But the only way that can happen is if they accept the same word and they receive the same spirit, that love of Jesus can eventually bring them together. Are you following me? You see, when the disciples put their hand on them, there was a spark that was lit in that Samaritan city at that point. A spark was lit because they brought them together. But later in verse 25, it says that as the disciples were going back to Jerusalem. They preached in the entire region of Samaria. Then that Philip, in verse 35 himself, went on and started preaching in other places in Samaria. So much so that when you get to Acts chapter 9 verse 31, the church is no longer spoken about as the church in Jerusalem. It is no longer spoken about as a church in a region, Judea. It is now called what? The church throughout Judea, Galilee, and what? Samaria. In other words, God started a spark on that day, and he started many other sparks, and the sparks became an inferno. I have prayed to God, and I'll continue to pray to God. many this day, that today there will be a spark that will start here. That some people will say that God has anointed me with these signs and wonders and I am prepared to talk about the gospel anywhere I want to go. Can you go out in faith and start your sparks? Because I can guarantee you this, the same God that brings about that spark will bring about an inferno in the city of Lagos. That the thing you think is something that is impossible for nothing shall be impossible for God. Shall we rise to our feet?